Sam, you're back from a few days of illness. You good? I'm good. I'm good. I'm back. Um, Sweet man. Yeah, just a, a moment of weakness. <laughs> yeah, too bad. You, you just weren't man enough to ward off that head cold, huh? Exactly. Uh, yeah. I'm ashamed. <laughs> tell me, tell me about that sleep last night, though. Yeah, I saw your screenshots had your sleep scores like off the charts. Yeah, had a ninety on aura, which is always nice. A good eight hour, forty minute sleep. It's yeah. the caffeine, man. It's the lack of caffeine. Is it? Uh, we can talk about that later, but yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, like I'm into fully it. tapered off now. I know in episode one we discussed it briefly, and yeah. you did the cold turkey thing because you're more badass than me. I tapered <laughs> down, um, so I've been like a. I mean, I've been off it for a while because I was having like 20 milligrams of caffeine in the morning at the end of my wow, taper. That's, that's like nothing. You can get it's 20 like milligrams nothing. of caffeine from like smelling a flower, like <laughs> 20 milligrams exactly. of caffeine. But now I'm, I'm like just decaf, which uh, actually nice, a lot of people don't know this, but it does have some caffeine. It does. Like maybe even 20 milligrams, right? No, less. Like no, two. not. Okay, like cool. It's nothing. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah, it's really anything. Yeah, so we'll, when we wrap up today, maybe we can do some coffee confessions. Um, I'll be interested. But I'm the same with you with sleep data, by the way. When the data is like interesting and exciting, I believe in it. And then when the data is just yeah. regular, I'm like, oh, this data is fucked. It's bullshit. Yeah, the Garmin exactly. watch doesn't pick up anything. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, that's, that's a good habit. You have to be yeah, like um, selective about that stuff. Yeah. Um, you drive, dude. Let's jump in. All right. So... The one thing I want to talk about or person I want to talk about is this guy called Jeremy Giffen. We both yeah. listened to this podcast uh, on Invest Like the Best. Jeremy Giffen is an interesting dude. He was the first employee and general partner at Tiny. Uh, mm-hmm. If you don't know what, if you're listening, you don't know who Tiny is. It's like a holding company. Um, they have a bunch of companies like Dribble. They bought AeroPress, I think last year yeah they did um just cool cool company um yeah and he's done a few other things as well but this podcast it was all over twitter people were talking about it i was like all right i'm Mm -hmm. gonna listen to this the first 45 minutes or so is kind of strictly talking about investing and and business yeah Uh, but then he gets into hang on there what was the sort of twitter sentiment were people saying like this is amazing or were people yeah. like pissed off at him like what was it was it no they were they were like this is such a good podcast like okay, you cool, need to listen cool. to this yeah. sort of thing yeah um and so after that 45 minutes he starts talking about just i guess like ideas that he has and i want to call it advice but just i would call them contrarian thoughts like he's definitely mm-hmm. a contrarian thinker and so mm-hmm. i would love to dive into uh, some of his ideas some of his tweets a lot of which I like and some of which I think uh, you disagree with, I kind of disagree with, or mm-hmm. I think should be expanded more. Um, yeah. And as a disclaimer, I think this guy is fascinating. I think he's awesome. So I'm like, none of what I say is criticizing him. I'm like, I think he's, yeah. I think there are very few original thinkers out there and he's one of them. So okay. the if you go to his Twitter account, you'll see the pinned tweet and he's got these six pieces of advice or not, not advice. Uh-huh. He's six ideas uh, that he mentioned in the podcast. They are number one, yep. all general advice is bad. Yeah. Two, <laughs> napkins beat spreadsheets. Three, yep. you can tweet your way onto a yacht. Four, if you're making a pros and cons list, you've lost <laughs> five, quarterbacks envy nobody and six mansions are underpriced and i think all of these are i i mean agree with them for the most part um so like just to quickly go through those before i get into the the other tweets all general advice is bad 100 percent. i think that's true um yeah not much debate there napkins beat spreadsheets that's an easy one yeah yeah it's an easy one napkins beat spreadsheets i mean i guess like i'm not and the investment space so it's like a you know no it's it's napkins beat spreadsheets toilet paper beats napkins because at least toilet paper you can wipe your ass with it so it's good sorry jeremy (laughs) gotcha i got um you can tweet your way into a yacht he's this is kind of like part of a bigger idea that he talks about which is like posting content 
is is like underpriced. Like if you're good at it, yeah, it can take you anywhere. Um, well, that's the thing I that I thought was that's something I thought was interesting about this guy Jeremy, and it always blows my mind how many people there are that sort of fit this bill. But this guy flew under the radar for like what the last 10, 15 years, I, yeah. I would think. Nobody's ever yeah. heard of him. He didn't yeah. publish shit, like no followers on Twitter, etc. And then he's just starting to pop up. And why would that be? Like for somebody that's as successful, smart, original thinker as him, it's probably not just ego, right? It's probably mm -hmm. a very good like career and investment type of move. And you see the same thing, or I think we both saw the same thing with Alex Hormozy. Yeah, I went 34 years of life never hearing of this guy. And now I hear about him literally like every day. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah. yeah, I think he's really crushing that that number three one, but he's got a lot to back up his content too, like a lot of big ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the fourth, if you're making a pros of this cons list, you've lost. I completely agree with this because I've done it yeah, so many times. More. And like every time yeah. I've done that, it's... um. It's because I'm usually trying to avoid or ignore some sort of like deeper, uh, yeah. How do I put it? Like, like move or decision that is yeah. obvious, but I'm like suppressing it. Um, I've I've never yeah. done a pros and cons list and like come out feeling good about the decision. You know That's, what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense to me. I would guess that if you're making a pro and con list, the answer should be no. Is that yes? Like, is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, well, that's I the whole so. summary. And that's yeah. coming from a person myself who I've made countless pros and cons lists, but I agree they've never gone anywhere. I wonder if he truly is talking about pro and con lists or if he's talking well, about let me, that let me pull this up because he loop. Yeah. He um he has like quick explanations. So the, the pros and cons list, uh, if you have to spend he's talking about investments in this tweet. If you have to spend uh -huh. countless hours yeah. debating an investment idea, you've already lost. The yep. best investments should be easy where everything lines up and it all makes sense. Leave the coin flips to the speculators who are forced to deploy capital on a specific timeline. But you can apply this to life because it's like yeah. the best, uh, actually, I was going to say like the best decisions should be easy. I don't know if they always are. Ryan Holiday has this point of like, okay, you know that, um, you know that whole meme or that idea that like you should be fuck yeah or fuck yes about oh, everything? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's like Derek Derek Sivers, I think, started that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. R Ryan Holiday has this thing where he's like, I can't remember where he says it, but he's like, actually, no. Like, there's going to be a lot of points in life where you need to make a decision and you don't have that and you still need to make the decision. And it's not going to be fuck yes. It's just like you need to work through the complexities uh -huh. of that. So I think there's some truth to that as well. Yeah, I guess my angle is that the largest and most profound sort of like transformational type things that happen in life generally feel effortless and they mm. feel sort of like, Oh, the stars all just came into alignment. And so I'm not talking about like small thing or not small things, but like, should I buy this house or not? Like, not that that's a small thing, but I'm talking about like these big things. Like for me, it was like the way that I pivoted my career and ended up moving to New York city and that kind mm. of like massive transformation. Um, and Tony Robbins says, he says a thing that's like um, transformation or like real change happens instantly without any effort. All the effort comes before that. And I think that's kind yeah. of an interesting clarifying point that like that real profound kind of like deep change, it just, it just happens. Um, yeah, but you've sense. probably put in a lot of work or experimentation on the front end. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, the fifth point was that quarterbacks envy nobody. And his point here is like, the more he actually says it, the more you understand who you are, the less yeah. you will envy those who you aren't, mm -hmm. which, uh, when, when I understood this or when I like heard this on the podcast, I was like, huh, like go back three years. I was like, had a successful business, didn't know what I wanted to do next. And really, I just like didn't have any sense of direction or um, I, core. And so I was looking at all these people like athletes and like this sort of business owner and this. And I was like, man, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. I could go and like, 
I don't know, do mountain guiding or something. Like just all over the place. And it's because I didn't understand who I was or what I wanted. Um, yeah. And so like a quarterback, like it's a pretty cool job. You know, you know what you want. Like you're not going to be yeah. a quarterback and be like, oh, I want to do this instead. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Um, and it, and also in a book that I'm reading right now called The Way to Love. Awesome. Awesome little philosophy book. But um, I've been thinking about this idea of like really understanding your purpose, which is kind of like understanding who you are. But the idea that when you actually know your purpose, everything else falls into place, right? It's like, you know what to do. You know what decisions to make. You know what action to take. You know who you should be spending time with and who you shouldn't, right? And so I've been thinking about that real kind of like simplifying effect that understanding who you are, knowing your purpose has. Um, a lot mm. more to be said about that, but a little little philosophical. I, I like that. Um, the final I would say, one. Well, I would say, yeah, sorry, on ahead. that point though, I would say it is, um, it is understated in my opinion, how difficult it is to find your purpose. Yes. Like we talk about stuff like this a lot. Oh, understand who you are and you won't envy others and you'll just forge your own path. So yeah. So now think, what, like, what do I do with that information? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I think. I think we don't spend enough time like really bearing down on what that means, what to do, et cetera. And so like this book, I think I'm the answer, did I think the answer yeah. is, I think the answer is you go to a 10 day meditation retreat followed yeah. with six months of therapy and then you'll yeah. find the answer. Yeah. And the answer was neither of those two things, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually the answer, a part of the answer for me involves experimentation and performance optimization, which will come full circle yes. to because Jeremy in that pod sort of threw some yeah. shade on the whole performance, like high performance world. So yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, mansions are underpriced. Pretty simple. Like his no, point here is, I, I don't know what this means. Well, when you, the explanation is like, when you buy a mansion or a jet or a yacht or something like that, you're not just buying luxury, you're buying the ability to shock and awe. And so you invite someone to your mansion or your yacht, like you're more likely to close a deal. To me, I don't know, this is like the odd one out on this list because I'm like, okay, cool. I can't afford a mansion. So that's maybe why I, I reject it internally. I just feel like the uh, first five are really important. <laughs> And that one's not <laughs> yeah, that important. one's just yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but I actually think some of his other tweets are way more interesting than this. I just me wanted to mention that because it's like the pin tweet, and if people look them up, they'll see that. Um, yeah. one of them from Feb 2020, he says, "Long, as in I'm for uh, water filters, extremism, <laughs> SAD lamps. I'm not sure what those are." Okay. Uh, weight, weightlifting, aesthetics, financial times, elite colleges, alternative capital structures, and Aquinas. And I'm short, rare doubts, liberalism, college, New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, uh, rationality, pop science, RSUs, franchise entertainment, talent agencies, and Descartes. Damn. Dude, you have to be a fucking smart person to put something like that together. And yeah. then to have the courage to put it out in, in a chunk like that, I knew yeah. what like 75% of those things even were, much less like have a real conviction about them. Um, that's that's yeah. pretty amazing. I, but some of that strikes me as, as being sort of uh, uh, controversial. Um, so maybe he tweeted that long enough ago before anybody was reading his tweets. Maybe. 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 Somebody, I, maybe went, should, I went all the way tweet back, it. Man. See what happens. <laughs> I should. I'll do that. I'll do that. After this. Um, Another thing he said, people waste so much of their time trying to improve when they should spend it figuring out what skill fits their born attributes. Tiger Woods won an under 10 golf tournament when he was two years old. The world record mile time for a 10 year old is five minutes, five seconds. You think you can improve your way to that? This pisses me off. I don't <laughs> right. disagree. What about you? I mean, I don't disagree, but like this is like, so when I went to, to university, I had a roommate for two years and we were, we were best friends at the time from the age he was four years old. He wanted to be a pilot in the air force. And that was it. His entire life 
school, after school, career, college, you name it, Air Force pilot, the end. Guess what he did after college? Became an Air Force pilot, still is. Mm. And mm. I have always been so envious of that, um, like kind of surface level envy, not because I want to be a damn pilot, but because I never felt or or knew or or maybe remembered what kind of convictions I had when I was younger. And I just yes. lost all that shit. And it's hard yeah. um, when you're between 25 and 35 years old trying to redesign your entire life. It's really hard to go back and reclaim that stuff and say, what, what, what was I good at? Like naturally mm. just interested in. That's always been a tough one for me. And so, yes, I agree. Like Tiger Woods should have played golf and I'm glad he did. But 99.99% yeah. of the rest of us need like a little bit more of a boost, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm on completely the same page. Uh, and I also envy the people who like know exactly what they want to do and have been that way for decades. Um, I've never been like that. Like, ne yeah. well, you know, like it's like when I was into music, I'm goes. like, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. And then like five years yeah. later, it's like, eh, maybe yeah. not. Um, would you say so that I agree with them. more? Uh -huh. Would you think that you're more that way now than you ever have been before or where are you in that kind of what moment more more like more clear yeah mm -hmm. no right now no I'm, i don't think i am gotcha i think i'm more but unclear you have... than i have been in the past and so what's an example of a time when you may have been clear like when you were working on a new business and everything was going in that way or yeah like, like that? when when i started EDM prod, like those first three to four years, it's like, this is exactly what I need to be doing. Um, and there was nothing else. Yeah. But at some point so in that journey, it was like, all right, I mean, what, what am I doing? Like, what should I do? Yeah. So right now though, you're doing a bunch of different stuff, publishing mm -hmm. articles, newsletter, YouTube yeah. videos, etc. Um, Yet at the same time, and I'm the same way, like there, there's sort of this like inner conflict. It's like, I'm doing all this stuff. I don't quite know what the end goal is or, or what the real purpose or calling is. So how do you think about the work that you're doing right now? Are you, uh, is it just experimentation? Are you just following some leads to see where they go? Yeah, for me, it's like, I spent way too much time uh, trying to fi figure out the purpose on like an intellectual level. And that didn't work because you just yeah. go around in circles. And what I noticed a while back is like, and you said this to me, maybe two years ago, you're like, you need to be doing something. You can't just sit, sit around doing nothing. <laughs> like, I think you said when you exited your company, you were like, you're working on an album, like you were doing something. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, I'm just going to do something. So I'm experimenting, but like Jeremy's tweet, I think I am doing things that kind of fit my born attributes, whether they're born mm -hmm. or not, there's a debate, but like, yeah, I'm good at, I'm good at reading, researching, making content, writing, synthesizing information. And like a lot of my work now is that with YouTube and the newsletter. Um, so I'm like following that path, but yeah, I, I think that I would say I am the person who's like just improving things. And like optimizing for the sake of optimizing to some extent because yeah. yeah me too but i feel like it has led me down like the most interesting path lately hmm. i'm like you you know you go through these these this sine wave in in life or over the course of a year projects come and go your energy comes and goes whatever i'm just at like a super kind of to put it in like a really cliche type of way, but like I'm at a super high vibration. I have like a lot of like yes. kind of focused energy right now, um, more so than probably the past year, year and a half. But the funny thing about right now, sort of the, the vision or purpose that I'm kind of like just starting to scratch the surface on, I'm actually scared of it. I'm like afraid of it. I'm like, oh, is this just another wormhole? This is gonna go nowhere. Am I just going to make a fool out of myself? Like I've, you know, I've tried so many different things over the years. And so I have this kind of fear of like, how do I know this is really the one? So I'm trying yeah. to like put that in the, the, on the back burner and just 
take these little steps and kind of keep keep learning as I go. For example, while we're on the topic, and what I told you a couple of years ago was this idea that I had about doing like micro projects or, or something mm-hmm. like that. It's like, if you don't know the big, big thing, just do a few little things and, and see if they go anywhere or, or, you know, level up. I still think that's like reasonably decent advice. Although I, I agree with uh, Jeremy that Journal advice is worthless, uh, basically. But for example, for me, I am like writing and putting together a YouTube video. I don't have any YouTube videos. I haven't done a YouTube video in like six years. I am nearly certain that no one will ever see this video. Typically, what would happen is I'll put it out there. I'll circulate it. About 15 or 20 of my friends or colleagues will watch it. And a few months later, I'll just take it down, right? Or make it private. And so I'm like, I have those kind of fears behind me, like, oh, this is just going to be another one of those things or not. I don't know. But um, it's really hard to to suss through all that, isn't it? I agree. I don't have the answer, actually. I like to think (laughs) I do, but I just don't. Um, Yeah. I'll do a couple more of these and then we can move on so we don't spend the whole podcast talking about Jeremy, as awesome as he is. Yeah. a pervasive bad habit is engaging with things on the periphery of an activity instead of just engaging in the activity itself. <sighs> Not sure why this yeah. is. You see this everywhere, man. Like people who want to go to the gym and lift weights, but instead they do all the research and they buy Start all this gear. The like, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like, why don't you just go yeah. to the gym and lift weights, man? Um, yeah. People who want to write a book. And they spend all this time finding the best, I don't know, like book writing software and like yeah. doing all this reading about how to write books. And it's like, you should just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm guilty of this, this is, by the way. Oh yeah. No, we all are. This is where I sort of like the philosophy around do hard things. I'm not mm. the biggest like hustle culture guy at all, actually, but I do, I had to like reinvent a part of myself over the past year where I have this mantra, I say to myself, like, I am a person who does hard things, period. Like, yes. it, it doesn't matter what it is, but I've like, I've built that in myself. And a lot of times the hardest thing is the most obvious thing, the most simple thing, the thing right in front of you. And, um, and Jeremy in the podcast, he, he talks about this in a way, um, he's talking about having hard conversations. And he says, mm-hmm. if you go up to literally anybody, and you say, hey, think think about this for 10 seconds. What's one hard conversation you need to have right now that you've just been putting off? Everybody yeah. would be like, oh, it's this one, right? And I think it's the same yeah. way with this whole periphery versus like the, you know, the appetizer versus the entree thing. It's like, if you really ask someone like, hey, you're doing all this shit, like it's great. What's the one thing you really need to do to advance this project? They'd be like, oh, well, it's this. It's like, ah, maybe you should do that. And then yeah. piggybacking there, one of my favorite quotes of all time, um, Stephen Covey. You know Stephen Covey? Of course. Yeah. Okay, cool. I, I, I just, I assumed that was like, of course, but just being sure. Um, he has a famous quote, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. Yes. Like, that's so good. I say that's that so all good. the time, man. Let's, um, let's piggyback off that into something I know we both really want to talk about, which is uh jeremy brought this up on the podcast and he's not the only one to talk about this i've seen a lot of people talk about it um this idea that you shouldn't what he sees a lot of people who are like optimizing their performance for the sake of optimizing their performance and they're, they're not really working on anything they're not working on a business i think the context that he was talking about was like all that stuff makes sense if you're going full tilt trying to build a business or do something and those things help you. But in the absence of that kind of goal, uh, it's mostly a waste of time. He also says, and I found this tweet from a while back, there's something fundamentally limiting about whipping yourself to do something. This kind of behavior is very far away from the behavior of the obsessed and therefore destined to come up short. Anytime one must turn outward for accountability, it indicates an insufficient amount of desire and the project is doomed to mediocrity from the start. I completely disagree with this. I get where he's coming from. Completely disagree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think you do as well. Yeah. 
Well, say why you do. You're talking about like the kind of the whipping yourself part of it. I get his point. I get his point. Like obsessed people, obsessive people um, usually aren't yeah. whipping themselves to do something. They're just, you know, following their desire and, and so on and so on. And I've, I've been in that boat a lot. So I know what it feels like. However, mm -hmm. if you believe that dopamine exists, and I'm not going to articulate this well, and if anyone's listening to this, which there's only like five people that listen, so probably not. If anyone's listening to this who's like got a neuroscience background, they're probably going to be like, Sam, you don't know what you're talking about. But if you're, if there's like, let's say there's an inherent um, pull towards laziness and homeostasis in most human beings, mm -hmm. including myself, and there's a system that can be easily hijacked, which is a dopamine reward system by things like social yeah. media, alcohol, drugs, pornography, whatever it may be. Um, if you're engaging in those things and you have an inherent desire to laziness, then to some extent, like you need, you do need to whip yourself towards action. At least I do speaking for myself. Yeah. And in fact, the times when I've done that, and the times where I have engaged external accountability have led to good work and not mediocrity. One example, he, he used this in a tweet. He's like, if you have to pay money as a stake to like get work done, that's not a good thing. Um, I wrote my first book, The Producer's Guide to Workflow and Creativity in 30 days because if I hadn't done that, then I would have paid $1,000 to my brother. Like that mm -hmm. was the deal. Mm -hmm. um, and that went on to make like six figures over the next two years. And it was like a good, I think it was good work at the time. Mm -hmm. So I get the point. I think it's ideal. Yeah. Let me say this. I think it's much more, I think it's more ideal to not have to do that, to not have to like discipline yourself and whip yourself into action. But uh, if you're not obsessed with something or you're not like naturally doing that stuff anyway, naturally doing the work, then maybe you should just discipline yourself and get accountability yeah. and like take action. Yeah. As I was thinking about this, my thought is that we are all optimizing towards something all the time. Mm -hmm. Even if you're, you know, to be rude, like fat and lazy and have been for years and you don't work very hard, like, et cetera, you're optimizing for that. That is a lifestyle that you are building, creating that you've doubled down on, right? And my thought is that everybody's optimizing something. No need to sort of criticize how or who you're, what you're doing for optimization. But as it pertains to sort of like whipping yourself and all this effort, if you have optimized for the wrong thing for a long time, I think it takes a profound amount of energy to course correct, get back to the middle ground, so to speak and then start finding a better path for yourself. And so that's what I thought. He's sort of saying optimization without purpose is pointless. And my response is, well, in the absence of purpose, you got to fucking put in some work to find it, mm. to, to, to chase that. And so, you know, it, the, it rung a little hypocritical to me because he spent half the podcast talking about how he travels and how he interacts with people and how he's a lazy investor every single one of those is a performance optimization. That's how he optimizes yeah. like his uh, social relationships, how he optimizes his creativity, like et cetera. And all of those are like excellent performance optimizations. If you ask me, like he doubles down mm -hmm. on rest, he doubles down on travel, he doubles down on curiosity, like great. So that's what all the rest of us are, are doing as well. Um, so I needed a lot of effort to course correct several areas of my life. But I'm already noticing just in recent years that things that used to take a lot of effort don't take a lot of effort anymore. Super quick example, I go for long runs in the morning before 5 a.m. now. That would have been completely impossible for me years ago. And I have legitimately gotten to the point where I personally enjoy it. I look forward to it the night before and the morning of, and I feel so happy about it when I'm done. But let me tell you, buddy, it took an ass load of work and discipline and, and whipping to get to that point. So I don't know like yes. where that leaves the insight, but th those are the, the ideas I was thinking about. Yeah, I like that. Uh, you know, I think um, in some contexts, this is definitely true that like people over-optimize 
or people think that their optimizations will get them the result that they want, which actually comes from something else. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, people think that to build like a seven-figure, eight-figure business, they need to like optimize all these things. Again, working at the periphery, like that's what it is. It's like actually yeah. there are pretty unoptimal people out there who are like building great businesses. Yeah. Um, and I do think there's also something to just the like the the Chad energy, like not optimal, like smoking cigarette, drinking, like just putting everything. You know what I mean? Like I know people like that. They get a lot done. But I do think at some point it, it bites them uh, in the ass. Yeah. Really I have to like, you know, if you're playing a long-term game or even thinking about like playing infinite games, like the James Cars book that we both seem to love Mm. like you just have to have a longer term view than that although incidentally i was just reading the chapter in uh book outlive about centenarians and that's so interesting to read about centenarians they smoke they drink they eat shit and hot dogs um and yeah sure plenty of them don't but like that was amazing to me there's this like french lady who lived like 122 years she smoked for like 70 80 years or something it's like insane, exactly. man. Um, to to yeah. wrap this up, uh, unless there's something else you want to say, Jeremy also tweeted, this was from a while back, <laughs> he actually tweeted, uh, self-improvement is just about preserving optionality until you figure out what you actually want out of life. So hmm. kind of contradict, uh, he doesn't con- contradict himself, but it's like, yes, that's the point. Like if you... In the absence of a clear path, it is well worthwhile to work on things like fitness and health and yeah. mentality um, and relationships and all these things because eventually, assuming you're taking action on some things work-wise, eventually you're going to come across something where it's like, this is what I need to do and you're going to have all this, all these like resources and energy to put behind it. Whereas if you weren't working on those optimizations, you know that hill is going to be a, quite steep and you're going to be looking at it and going, hmm, it's going to take yeah. a while. My final thought on this, and uh, this is the challenge to you, Mr. Jeremy Giffen. I challenge you to come on this pod. Uh, just kidding. Um, hey, we're in the two-figure qu- downloads now, man. Oh, are we? Hell yeah. Yeah, I got like 10 um, on the last episode. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah. Um, I think it was four of them were my mom and two of them were my dad. So, <laughs> um, so here's a question to Jeremy. Why does Mark Zuckerberg do jujitsu and MMA? Because if you really think about that on the surface, it literally makes no sense. Dude obviously knows his purpose. He's building freaking Facebook his whole life. He's a billionaire beyond belief, like has tons of important stuff to do. Probably already has optimal medical care, sleep, nutrition, obviously from handlers. So he's out there taking pictures with Izzy Adesanya and, and Volkanovsky, which, by the way, that's the most badass flex of oh, so any good. like public figure. That yeah. I almost look. I don't even like. I hate Facebook and don't historically okay. like Zuckerberg, but I almost want to like frame that photo. So that's my question, Jeremy: Is why is Zuckerberg doing that? It's because it, it's an amazing hobby. It's an interesting way to improve your thinking, your clarity. It's great for your, his relationships and his sort of public persona, which makes it great for business. It fills him with some confidence and pride. He does his best. I'm of course I'm like hypothesizing here, but he does his best work after those MMA sessions, you know, he rolls back into Facebook and he's like, I'm going to crush this meeting. Mm -hmm. We're going to crush this decision. And he's just like full of life from that. And so that's what I'm like, that's a totally arbitrary performance optimization that Zuckerberg's doing like engaging in that type of fitness, but it's an extremely positive thing to do. Um, at least yeah. it seems that way. It's also, me. it's also just hard. And I think like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. people forget, especially as men, you want to do hard things. Like it feels good. It just yeah. feels good to do challenging shit. Like, it can it be as simple as that? You know what I mean? Like, I, I do jujitsu because it's like, it's hard. It's yeah, hard. you learn stuff. Like, the yeah, it's just hard. Yeah. Like, um, I also do my worst work after 
jujitsu, by the way. I'm because you're like uh, <laughs> brain dead, body dead, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, well said. Yeah, the hard thing about I had one more thing. Yeah, so one other thing for me is that when it comes to hard things and in particularly like physical and like performance type of things, I have long believed that the body is the gateway to the mind. Like I fundamentally believe that the mind and your brain is way more important than the body. Like if I could choose between having like a sick ripped bod or like an incredible brain, like I'd go for the brain. I don't know about you. So you're not, you're not long aesthetics like Jeremy is? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to think about that, but, um, uh, yeah. Anyways. So I think about how the, the body is, is actually a really good gateway to all sorts of other things. And I think that's because with your own body, you can perform these little experiments and you get immediate feedback and evidence. And I was thinking about it. So like if you go and do bicep curls, you know, three sets of 10, three times a week, and you do that for a month, you are going to see a difference, period. Mm -hmm. If you go and write, say, you know, just journal or, or, you know, work on writing a novel and you do that the same amount of time for a month, there's absolutely no guarantee that you're going to see an immediate result, know exactly sure. what happened. Like you might, you might see some results, but you're not going to see that, like, like that specific concrete or, or rather discrete like feedback. And so I think that's why the physical stuff is so, so important in this conversation. It's like it, it builds mood, it builds energy, it, it changes the way your brain works, it changes your brain chemistry, it just starts to open up all these other kinds of doors. And so that's why I personally believe physical performance, so to speak, optimization work is just categorically a good thing to do. You can take it yeah. too far, fine. Like, yeah, that's that's a that's not great to go too far and like only have massive biceps and nothing else, right? Mm. But fundamentally, I think it is like a, a positive thing for men to do. Probably all people, but you know, one men. one thing you said the other week because um, we we talked about this off air. You said, uh, "I I do this to be a better dad." Yeah. And Absolutely. like, I think it's easy, it's easy for me to, to kind of have work as like this North star and everything feeds into that. But it's like your work is about one fifth of your life or something like that. It's like, I, I do the physical stuff for the sake of doing the physical stuff, not to be necessarily be better at my work. That's just like a byproduct. Yeah, completely a byproduct. If anything, the reason why I do so much physical work is because of things that I wanted to improve with my energy and my mood. Hmm. I mean, of course I'm enjoying some of the aesthetic changes in my body. My wife doesn't really give a shit if I'm being honest and you know, nobody, nobody else. Does, yeah. No, I, sure. I, I get you. Same you know, here. <laughs> there's some good byproducts, but like I'm doing all the stuff that I'm doing truly for my brain. Um, yes. And to be honest, like it's, working like a lot of things are starting to change for me when it comes to mood energy creativity uh commitment i think that's another thing underrated aspect of of when you can commit to like physical goals and do the hard work and actually do them it makes your other commitments that much kind of easier or accessible mm -hmm. right so I, if i keep my commitments in the gym you better damn believe i'm going to keep my you know little percent like work commitments or follow up on that sales email yeah when you when you see someone just in you know everyday life who's like reasonably fit or jacked you don't know them at all you just see them walking do you automatically like have a higher level of respect for them than someone who's not that way on average, i kind of do i do on average I because do. it shows a baseline level of commitment right it's similar to me, like if someone was in the military or if they were a college athlete, you know, from yeah. like a job interview perspective, if you were a college athlete, I have like 10 X higher hopes for you as an employee. Um, so I do think the one thing I will say though, is it's quite obvious when somebody is more of just a bodybuilder, you know, when, when you see yeah. somebody who's just like a massive pyramid with shoulders and, um, 
and pecs. And like, if you ask them to raise their hand, they're like, you know, yeah, I think that's really obvious too. And frankly, when I see that kind of, I have a different thought, which is you've got some like mental issues. <laughs> I don't know. I, I still find that pretty impressive. Um, you know, yeah. Fair. Like try run a marathon with me though. Good luck. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good luck having right. those glutes. Let's move on to, why don't we move on to some of your stuff on the list? Yeah. Let's see. Okay. Have you ever seen a fat lion? <laughs> no. No. No, you haven't. No, I haven't. And no, no, you definitely haven't. I'm talking about in the wild. So I'm, I'm reading this book called The Way to Love by Anthony DeMello. Have you heard of this guy? It rings a bell, but yeah. Not. Real interesting. Uh, he died like uh, 30, 40 years ago or something. Um, he was a priest, but he's Indian. So hmm. he brings this sort of East meets West kind of thing together. So I'm reading this it's book. It's not a very Indian name. It's not his true name. Yeah, right? Tony DeMello, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, and he just makes this point. It just landed on me and it stuck with me. He was like, he didn't put it in those terms, but basically like when you look at an animal in the wild, they don't exert any, like they appear effortless. They're just perfect at what they do. They're not fat or skinny. They eat and drink the exact correct things. They exert the exact correct amount of energy for whatever they're doing. And I started, I just started brainstorming about this. So I'm thinking about like a lion and the fact that there are no, um, you know, fat lions in the world, basically. And so I thought to myself, okay, what do lions do? Um, just overall, they hunt, they fight, they play, they rest, and they bone or procreate to be professional about it. And um, by the way, I'm totally, th this is all off the top of my head that I did not do research on lions or something, but I thought those five categories are really interesting. And if you look at modern men in general, like here's, here's some things we don't do. We don't hunt. We don't fight. We don't play. Uh, we don't rest very well. And like sleep is sort of like socially um, discouraged, so to speak. And then when it comes to procreation, lots of problems around this when it comes to porn and yeah. masturbation and you name the rest. And so this, it just really got me thinking like about how men specifically have become so disconnected from some elements of nature, like capital in mm. nature. Mm. And I'm starting to see, and I think you are too, this, a lot of this pendulum swinging back to some of these things, like on a surface level hunting, we've already talked about this yeah. a bunch, but like there's a huge groundswell in men wanting to hunt. Um, also just like living in the mountains, being closer to nature. Um, yeah. I don't know if anybody's talking about this, but like nine out of 10 sort of like high performance men or fitness influence or whatever that I follow, they're in the mountains, dude. They're just like, Oh, here's my mm -hmm. cabin with my ice bath or, or whatever. They're getting a lot, yeah. a lot of connection to nature. And then, um, yeah, resting all we talk about nowadays is improving sleep, tracking sleep, et cetera. Um, procreation. I don't have anything to say about that really that's of interest, but you know, it's becoming a bigger priority for people. Mm. And I started also thinking about like, well, what are the things that have disconnected us from those like fundamentally sort of natural aspects of our life and surprise, surprise, what I came up with is social media, gaming, and porn. I would say those yes. are the three just big big, big ones. Cause gaming touches a lot. Gaming touches hunting and violence, so to speak. It touches play. These are all modern substitutes for all of those things. And yep. all those modern substitutes do is actually isolate you. And I was thinking mm. about this at the gym today. I don't work out with anything in my ears. We've talked about that before too. And let, I mean, I'm with you. If I'm, if I'm, if I just have to walk on a damn treadmill for 30 minutes, I might listen to yeah. a podcast in general, yeah. nothing in my ears. And I don't know if you go to a gym or if you see uh, young men, I'm talking probably age 18 to 25 range or even younger, maybe 16 to 25. 
they all have AirPods and over the ear things on in their groups together. Yep. And it, there's something about it. I see that and I'm like, oh, I there's don't, I don't the demise. Like it, it's the demise of humanity when I see that. You know, it's and it's all of them. All of them. I saw them all what, today. What happened to what happened to the tribes? You know what I mean? Like what happened to it, being part of a tribe? That's my It's opinion. so isolating. <clears throat> and I'm like, you know, you're with your buddies. There's three of y'all. You're lifting weights together. You're taking turns, mm. like whatever. But what these things do is they they completely disconnect the emotional side yeah. of play. And talk about another area where men have like stopped being like lions in the wild. It's like sort of our emotional constipation and our lack of like emotional kind of just even awareness or, or honesty about these yeah. things. And um, we've both been listening to Sean Puri talk about the total man. And I thought something mm. really cool about how he describes the total man. It's yeah, you do hard things. Yeah, you're accountable. You get business done, but you also face up to the conversations that you need to have. You face up to how you're yep. feeling. You face up, you, you know, you, you call that parent, you call that colleague and you have that hard conversation that day, right then and there. And that's like a really less kind of discussed. That's a part of masculinity that sort of gets lost in the whole physical performance realm. For sure. So anyways, I'm just kind of like rambling around and curious your thoughts and responses. But I just thought that it, it hit me like an anvil when he was like, look at an animal in the wild. They are neither fat nor skinny. They have, the, you know, mm. everything. is, And I'm like, okay, we have gotten so, so far away from that. <clears throat> I think there's a reason why someone like Liver King blew up so quickly. Yeah. Because he's like, a, he's a very... You know, he's an extreme example, and there's a lot of issues with his, his brand, in my opinion. But um, hey, people are attracted to an element of that, which is like the the three things you mentioned. Like social media is a poor substitute for um, community and tribe. It, it just doesn't work. Gaming is a poor substitute for competition and the reward cycle that comes with it. Porn is obviously a poor substitute for sex and procreation. It's like all these things are like perverted versions of what we should be doing, I think. Um, oh, God. This, this, that's this how this I stuff, think about it. Does this stuff make you just like profoundly depressed? <clears throat> a little bit. I'm not going to lie because it's like, well, yes and no. I think I go through like waves of being blackpilled about it. You know, you know, black pill, white pill yeah. terminology. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some people don't. Um, and then like also I'm not optimistic, but I'm also like I think because it's such a, an issue now, like you said at the start of this, people, there is a cultural um, turning of the tide. Unless it's just the echo chamber that I live in, but I'm pretty sure there is. Like talking to younger guys, they they kind of get this. They don't want to be on social media as much. Um, you know, they want to do hard things. But again, that could just be the people I'm talking to. I don't know. I don't know what it yeah. looks like on mass. Um, yeah. Yeah, and there's so there's so many little trends that I track. Like another one that that has popped up a ton over the past few years is sun exposure. There's this huge yeah. pendulum swing away from sunscreen, away from yeah. sunglasses in favor of, you know, controlled and deliberate exposure. Dude, I, haven't, to the sun. I haven't worn sunglasses in like two and a half years now. It, I will only wear them in an extreme circumstance. Like I'm on the yeah, highway at 4 PM, you know? Yeah. yeah it's, it's gotta be something extreme. I don't wear them. Um, I, this, this one definitely ruffles feathers, but I, I also don't wear sunscreen. Um, Maybe. and I don't get sunburned. Huh? I don't, I don't wear sunscreen either. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of really easy ways you can manage your. How can we just like we just lost half our ten listeners right yeah, now? Yeah, we're ah like, oh, these people five oh, sunscreen. Come on, uh, I, I think I can turn it back to something. I can turn it back to something lovey dovey because I I cut out all these um, paragraphs from from the Demello book, mm. but there's so much that like if I read it, it, we would be here for the next thirty minutes. I'd just be reading, but he's got a chapter called. Um, serpents and doves which by the way i was like 
that's the most badass chapter name I've ever heard. If you're writing a book yeah. and you have a chapter called Serpents and Doves, you deserve all the respect and attention that, yeah, that you can get. But that chapter is about the animal thing. And then, um, so here's an interesting aspect of this, which is, okay, so if we're not, if, if we're out of touch with this whole lion thing, like how do you get back? So he says, there are two sources for change within you. One is the cunningness of your ego that pushes you into making effort to become something other than what you're meant to be. So it can give itself a boost or glorify itself. The other is the wisdom of nature. Thanks to this wisdom, you become aware, you understand it, and that is all you do, leaving the change type, the manner, the speed, the time of change to reality and to nature. So this is, a, again, this is really troubling for me and for you as people who put a lot of deliberate effort into things and the proposed solution here is like, uh, you should do nothing basically. But um, let me read a little bit more of this. There's another way besides laborious self-pushing on the one hand and stagnant acceptance on the other. It's the way of self-understanding. This is far from easy because to understand what you are requires complete freedom from all desire to change what you are into something else. You will see this if you compare the attitude of a scientist who studies the habits of ants without the slightest desire to change them with the attitude of a dog trainer who studies the dog uh, to make it learn something. So anyways, it's the philosophical angle of what we've been talking about this entire time, which is the course of laborious self-pushing versus stagnant acceptance and what the kind of like middle way is. And, you know, mm. this guy's giving you the philosophical angle. Um, he says that all you can achieve by your effort is repression, not genuine change and growth. And I'm like, damn, that's tough. He says, change is only brought about by awareness and understanding. And he, he dives in a little bit deeper. I don't have to keep reading it, but uh, he, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to read the book. One. Like, you definitely have to read it. You're saying one. that. I'm yeah. like, oh, I completely disagree with that, but I don't yeah. know why. Yeah, yeah. It's a tough one. What's this other bit? Interesting. Yeah, it was. Anyways. The way so, to love. Watch out for fat lions. Um, well, dude, we've got a bunch of other things to talk about, but I think we should just wrap it up here. Um, we're going to talk again this week, drop double episodes It's a double header week. So get ready. All you 10 people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah, man. I thought this was, a, this was awesome though, by the way. That was good. I already enjoyed this one. Yeah. Um, I would say relative yeah. to our last two, this conversation felt like almost like a little bit more pro like a little bit more flowy and less like sort yeah. of i don't know all over the place or something like that so yeah I, I agree yeah but still my only metric of success here is your and my enjoyment and our interest in this stuff so 100%. that's all i have to work off of right now all right 100 man all right dude all right chat ya. peace catch ya.